Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! This is the moment you all have been waiting for! It's time for the global sensation, the one, the only, the undisputed heavyweight podcast in the world, the past timber construction podcast. When you think about technology and how it has changed the world, desktop applications such as Windows came from an organization called Microsoft many years ago. Now Microsoft is on a different journey. It's trying to transform the way that we actually build. Joining me today is Salopoulos, who formerly was known as Eckhart, who is an industry game changer and opening innovation in the way that we actually build looking at digital transformation through the lens of BIM, uh, BIM lifecycle management, and the way that we actually have two streams or three streams of consciousness when it comes to construction, both from a physical environmental layer, the digital layer, but also from an investment real estate layer. Please join me in talking to Salah on this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I very much appreciate you being on the podcast. So you're at Microsoft. Tell us what your title is and what you actually do. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Uh, I work for the internal real estate and security organization at Microsoft uh, in the center of innovation. I'm the director of transformation services and driving forward a flagship program that I call the digital building lifecycle. Some of you might have read some of the articles and heard about it. And with that, I have sub programs I'm building up for our operations. Um, so looking into our BIM program and our digital construction program and then digital twins in owner operations. So overall, I'm trying to get the, the O attached to the AEC and, and that way bringing us into the same game with the architects and engineers and contractors to pull the digital thread all the way from planning to uh, the end of the technical life cycle of the building and beyond. And you were recently quoted uh, by yourself as saying that, you know, the reason you wake up in the morning is that you try and work out how we collectively, the AEC community, can disrupt the outcomes in the built environment so that we do better each time. Um, Tell me a little bit about where that drive comes from, where that passion to make this transformation comes from in you. Thank you. Um, It's something that I've always been um, curious about. being uh, trained as an architect and and doing architectural design and structural engineering in my past and and um, academic research and applied research and development uh, I, I was a tourist in the general contracting side of the industry for a few years and, and now working for a real estate side I've discovered that there's a lot of siloing of different roles and stakeholders in the industry that don't necessarily speak the same language Hence, the data is the coherent language that everyone is capable of consuming. And then um, I've started to wonder that how might we actually start to co-create the better outcomes 
of the built environment so that there is less uh, harmful, harmful impact on the natural environment and, and more uh, better user experiences for those that use the built environment, so everyone on this planet. And in terms of the co-creation bit, what are the sort of mechanisms, what are the things that you're doing to bring people together to co-create? Because I think that's a really important part of development of any system, mechanism, tool or, or implement. Um, how, how are you doing that with the, you know, the current climate? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and that's where the, the first first part of the digital transformation begins with people and, and training people on the new tools and, and the redevelopment of processes and questioning that how might we actually do things differently so that we can use less resources to deliver the better outcomes and being mindful about what is the outcome that we are actually trying to co-create so that it's not only the question of what is in it for me, but it's more about what is the legacy that I'm leaving behind, uh, thinking about the technical life cycle of, of uh, buildings that it's very rare that the same architects and engineers get to uh, work on the retrofits and renovation projects of, of the buildings that they've originally designed. Um, the, the life cycles and the project lead times are so long that people have already likely uh, retired or moved on to different uh, scopes of work. So um, being very um, deliberate about BIM-centric delivery of the digital replica of the physical artifacts and um, defining how digital construction process could actually deliver the reliable as-built data that could be then um, a foundation for building up the digital twins, which is a very hot topic at the moment. And, and having BIM be a component um, in a digital twin so that people don't have to struggle um, in the operations phase of uh, trying to recollect all the data that has been lost uh, during the design process if the delivery method is relying on documents and drawings but it would be more about delivering the database and and the digital building first and then building the the physical building as the twin um, so you mentioned before there's the physical element, you've got the digital layer and you've got this digital twin, but then you have the social overlay and the environmental overlay as well. How are these three or four components interacting within the models or the platforms that you're developing? Uh, good one. It kind of all ties together with how the real estate owners and investors, developers are thinking about delivering smart environments, smart buildings or smart cities. Um, and that requires us to really be considered about what is the total performance of our build environment and how that is supporting the social environment that is the end users. But then where they can coexist is in the digital environment. And that requires us to kind of uh, be considerate of, of the outcomes and aligning the design strategies with the digital transformation strategies, but also with the investment strategies so that there is a, a means to the end and a reason why we are making the decisions that we are making and collecting the data that we are collecting so that we can then um, stop uh, collecting the dark data and, and just saving a lot of data into data warehouses that nobody can necessarily access. But 
with the digital building lifecycle, it's about democratizing the data and making it accessible to, to everyone who is working on the same project. And that way, when thinking about the project, it's not only the one year of design and engineering, one year of construction, but it is the, the entire technical life cycle and all the, the cycles of tenant improvements and retrofits and, and renovations that are triggered by either the condition of the built environment or the, the social needs of the end users. Uh, and that way, when we are deciding what we are going to do with the, our portfolio, it's not time-based, but it's more a condition or a need-based. And that way, when, when thinking about the end users, which are the most important reason for the built environment to exist, uh, the built environment should be supporting and empowering everyone who is using the buildings or, or the infrastructure. Uh, and that way, with the BIM-centric um, delivery, we can really embrace the universal design and deliver the outcomes that are then best for for everyone. And there's an evolution now in BIM. Uh, I know that when we get down to the lower levels of design, uh, LOD 400 at construction level, for example, there's not a lot of uptake, especially in a place like Australia where it's not mandatory. But in the UK, you know, certainly it's a lot more advanced. But now we're actually extending that further with life cycle management of the building itself. But I think what I'm hearing from you is you've got, you know, this digital uh, platform, you've got this life cycle management around it, then you've got a effectively a real estate lens or strategy wrapping around that. And then wrapping around that is actually a continuum of the way that the space will be used because of course the, the, the real estate market and the developer itself needs to make something that's going to be used to re- get a return on that investment. And so now the layers of complexity that stem from this you know concept of a building start to, to migrate out and you've been talking a lot recently about um, BLM. Could you explain what BLM is? Uh, so building lifecycle management. Um, yeah, so that ties into uh, very well with the, the level of definition that is the level of information and, and the level of detail. And oftentimes, um the real estate owners don't need as much detailing and the beautiful geometries as what the architects and engineers and digital contractors need to deliver the building. Because uh, if something doesn't fit in the digital world, it certainly doesn't fit in the physical either. And that just adds cost and, and impacts your schedule. But then the real estate owners, they don't need uh, as much data for the operations or their data need is very different. So when thinking about the uh, building lifecycle management, the data can be accumulated over time as long as there is uh, transparency and uh, open communications about what is the critical amount of data that each stakeholder needs and who are contributing for delivering that uh, information. And that way, it doesn't have to be that the, the elephant is eaten at once in the beginning of the project, but that there is the, the delivery strategy that is defined. And that way, it's easier to piece it together or the, the technical life cycle, the digital building life cycle, and, and accumulate it over time. Um, and that way, when thinking about how do we actually capture the digital data, it doesn't have to be all BIM data it can be reality capture it can be the iot data it can be the ioa data 
GIS data, uh, all the digital data sources that coexist, and then choosing and filtering what is relevant for each stakeholder and ensuring that the data that is being consumed and exchanged and delivered is actually reliable. Uh, and that way the project teams can start working on, on the trust uh, that oftentimes is seen as a pain point in, in uh, construction projects that you're constantly rechecking what, what you are inheriting from others uh, and there are oftentimes conflicts in uh, how fresh or how accurate the data is, how reliable the data is. Uh, and that has a root cause that people are forced to uh, deliver more data than what is ready at that point in time. But if we try to accumulate it rather than create a, a big data dump at once, then we can fix the original problems. And in mass timber construction specifically, there's a new concept or a concept that's being talked about a lot, which is cradle to cradle for the building. And we know that mass timber's success is really around the digital overlay on top of this renewal of a material that's very old, the technology is very old, and we're making it new again. And cradle to cradle can benefit from the fact that if you have the right information about the building and you have this digital twin of the actual building, the repurposing of that, right? The accuracy of that data is important for repurposing that building at cradle to cradle. And then you have retrofit and you have renovation and you have uh, you know, deconstruction of the building. So this sort of fits in with your digital building lifecycle concept as well, doesn't it? And definitely. And overall, what I'm curious about is that if we have um, something as old as uh, constructing something from wood, um, with the new technologies, we can really think about the remanufacturing of the buildings because you can, directly like you said, that you can repurpose the building or, or retrofit it differently. And, and if we think about the wooden structures and, and how easy it is to refabricate something from, from the components and the materials that you already have, uh, there is a lot of room for innovation and, and development and incorporating technology into that process and, and seeing how might you re, repurpose or reuse the materials and, and make them into a, something new. and. And overall, what I'm curious about is that if we are dealing with something organic like wood, that how might we actually embrace also additive manufacturing in uh, fixing um, and renovating the wooden structure? So if, if there is anything that needs to be replaced, that does it always mean that you have to pull out an entire structure uh, or is it that you can basically uh, create something that fits right into uh, the, the piece that is damaged uh, and that way you just make it stronger. And in terms of the digital twin, you've categorized the digital twin into four segments. And I think one of the axes was high cost, low cost, and then low performance and high performance. Can you walk us through a little bit about that conceptualization with the digital twin? Because I think it's relevant to cradle to cradle. If you had a uh, an idea uh, infrastructure type digital twin that didn't give you uh, the intelligence you need for cradle to cradle, but you saved cost and it has low performance and it satisfied a specific need. It's not going to accelerate you into the next age is my conceptualization. Would that be your opinion too? 
Uh, yeah, and well, the the four segments that to kind of cover the idea of it is that if you're dealing with something that is the the low cost environment and but it's low performance, the digital twin can be an ideation infrastructure for discovering that what might be the the options of um, reinventing the environment, renewing it, um, refreshing it. So it's like when thinking about smart. Uh, city environments, for example, uh, how you need to be dealing with the citizens, but you also have to deal with the public sector and the private sector. That um, digital twin can be the platform for uh, facilitating the discussion. That what is it that the end users need or want, and then how to make it uh, financially feasible. Uh, the project lead times are so long that if we ask someone's needs of today, they might be completely different a decade from now. And then, when thinking about digital twin being the invention catalyst, uh, that's where you're dealing with something that is very high cost, but might be a, a currently at low performance. So it might be something that you're dealing with a greenfield project and building something completely new in, in land that is just fields or forests. Uh, so you have to build all the basic infrastructure and then the, the, the additional uh, buildings that that people are willing to invest in and and buy and start using. So that in that case, uh, the digital twin can help balance the the capital expense and the operational expense and and discover new ways of delivering um, something fantastic that then serves the purpose for the end users, but doesn't break the bank for the investor. But then um, when kind of uh, moving forward to the innovation platform idea of digital twins, where you're dealing with something that is high performance, but might be high cost. So this might be something that is like a business park or a campus area for a hospital or, or a corporate real estate. So that way, with the in innovation platform, you can look into what you're dealing with, what you have already, and then how might you improve from that so that it's not necessarily a very disruptive uh, platform, but is uh, being the steering platform for a better discussion and more educated decision making. And then ultimately, when you uh, have delivered your projects with the digital building lifecycle approach and, and had the, the collaborative project delivery method and, and used the BIM-centric delivery overall, um, you can use the digital twin as an intelligent tool so that you can keep the high performance of your built environment at as low cost as possible. And that way you can delegate a lot of the, the management tasks that people would do to uh, AI or machine learning or, or any other intelligent component of the digital twin that will do a lot of the manual or tedious processes for you and, and release you to uh, think more creatively and, and um, more focused on the, the co-creation with your other stakeholders. And thank you so much for that explanation. I think it really covers off nicely just that sequence of events right through from, you know, what you're doing from an AEC community engagement piece at the realty level all the way through the supply chain. Then we talked about BIM and BIM lifecycle and now ending up with Digital Twin. If we can take a bit of a, a left turn or a right turn now, um, what are you working on at Microsoft that you can share with us? 
Oh, oh well, um, I'm working very closely with our technology teams, but also with our operational teams um, in the Center of Innovation and at RNS, which is the, the real estate and security organization to uh, grow our BIM program so that when we are commissioning our future projects that uh, we, are, we are already setting the AEC teams off to a path of success and being the, the different real estate owner that actually is supporting the digital transformation of the industry uh, while doing it uh, ourselves. So that's what I'm working on every day. Um, we already delivered our own BIM standard. So we have a strong foundation and, and this year we've been focusing on technology integrations and, and thinking how we can create interoperable platforms and, and connections between different tools and the end users and next year we will be focusing on uh, information management layer so that we can then uh, figure out what are the streams of information that we need to be managing and integrating together and that way we have the three layers of uh, foundational capabilities to move to the uh, fourth phase that will be focusing on the business cases and the use cases so uh, a lot of good work coming uh, our way and, and your way hopefully as well as our industry partners and uh look it's just you and i right we're just having a conversation there's no one else in the room um when's the uh smart city from microsoft being announced uh that is probably up to uh, our external customers facing organization and, and uh our senior leadership to decide but uh if it was up to me uh it would have been yesterday that's brilliant. We hear a lot about Google and Facebook and others. It'd be really good to see Microsoft make a massive announcement about a city uh, somewhere around the world that encapsulates all of the work that you've been doing and brings it to fruition. Um, and it's yeah, quite, quite an amazing thing to see the big tech giants get involved in this. Of course, Mr. Gates is no longer with uh, Microsoft, but his legacy lives on, especially through his work and, and his books um, and, and talking about green green premiums and look we've talked a lot on this podcast about the fact that if you were to substitute materials wood for concrete there might be a cost impost for the wood but when you add the digital layer around it you know the efficiencies you gain through the process you're actually reducing what that premium would be so it would be good to see how Microsoft puts its money where its mouth is and announces it you're going to have to take the charge seller you're going to have to go for it and push out for a project (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll try and uh, for for the time being I welcome everyone for a partnership so that it's, it's up to uh, everyone to work on to make the future different from where it currently might be and that way it's not the, the years of uh, hard labor only on one organization or one person but uh, together we can deliver the, the bits and pieces that we need to uh, create that, that fabulous new uh, smart city environment. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with in terms of parting words of wisdom? Because I know your time's short and um, I really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Any last words for the audience at all, Salah? 
I hope that people are are looking into the digital building lifecycle and starting to build the partnerships so that we can co-create the more sustainable future for our built environment and and our future cities and and also the countryside. We have to be considerate of uh, the natural environment as well. But uh, the future it has a lot of hope, but it requires us to all work together to make it happen. Beautiful words, and I think um, everyone would share your sentiment. That's why people listen to the podcast. They're invested in building a better way, and you're challenging the building the better way through digital means, um, through technology and integration of people and platforms and systems and solutions and implementations and instruments. Um, And for that, we thank you very much, and it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you to all your listeners.